0: Uh, Rob Clausen, and of course Tiffany was there, and uh, Tiffany's mom Linda, to uh, round out the musical accompaniment for that. So, I want to invite you to join me in a word of prayer this morning, and uh, let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you today for all that you've done for us in Christ. We look forward to seeing how your Word will impact us today, and Lord, make us to be a people who's uh, who are ready and responsive. To be impacted by your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I was in the military, we had different color ID cards. If you were on active duty, you had a green card. If you were in the reserves or in the National Guard, you had a red card. And if you were old and gray and retired, they give you a gray card. So... But now, um, all the cards for the ready components, both active duty and the guard reserve, they're all the same color, they're all green. That's designed to facilitate folks uh, coming on active duty if they have to be deployed. But this morning, if we were able to check, I wonder what color our spiritual ID cards would be. Would ours be the red card of the reservist? Occasionally working on our faith, occasionally working out on behalf of the mission of God's kingdom? Or would our card be the gray card of the retired, kicking back, letting somebody else do what God has called us to do? And by the way, I think I've mentioned this before, but biblically, the notion of retirement, the way we understand it, does not exist. Retirement is mentioned one time in the scriptures. The Levitical priests whose job it was to schlep the animals around for the sacrificial system when they reached 50, if they reached 50, they were unable to retire. Nobody else in the entirety of Scripture enjoyed what we call uh, retirement. There's no such thing in the Bible. Or, is our ID card, our spiritual ID card, green? The active duty ID card. A person who knows that believing in Jesus is a call to action. Well, that's the message that uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, is going to want to get across to us this morning. Along the way, he's going to dispel some erroneous notions about what faith really is and what it means. But his bottom line is this, that a genuine faith in Jesus is an active faith. So we're going to be in the book of James this morning, chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. The words will be up on the screen. If you're here, as Pastor Laura mentioned on the website, if you go to the right of the picture, there's an opportunity to follow along in a Bible translation. You can also use a Bible app on your phone or your smart pad or whatever you're using to engage in the service. James chapter 2, verse 14 says this. and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Our buddy James, he has an issue here. He is deeply troubled by faith that is seen mainly as a verbal profession. Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. He says that kind of faith, that it, it starts and ends with, I believe in Jesus, is dead, it's barren. He says this twice in verses 17 and verse 20. He says that faith has no life in it. It's not really faith. And that kind of faith, I'll put it in quotation marks, cannot give or nurture life. He says in verse 14, that kind of faith isn't really faith that has the power to save us. When James uses the word saved, by the way, in this passage, he's using it as shorthand for the entire experience. Our initial moment, our process of sanctification, our final consummation of being with the Lord. But I thought this morning that maybe we should do a little salvation refresher. Just review what it is when we say these words. We are saved by faith. To begin with, we are called by God himself. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 32, said, But when I when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. We are then gifted by God to believe. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, a couple of those verses that Pastor Laura read for us say this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is, the it reference in this verse is to faith. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Do you see the sequence that's building? We are called by God. God himself gives us the faith to believe. And then in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Apostle Paul says we have to openly acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. That if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. See, you got to say it. You got to mean it when you say it. And having meant it when we said it, we are then, here's a Bible technical word, theologically technical word, we are then justified. What does that mean? It means we are declared not guilty, even though by our sin record we have been guilty. Do you see? Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's a test for you this morning. Who is included in all? Everybody. Look around the room. We're all part of the all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. There it is, declared righteous. Are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. Do you see what's happening? Do you see how it's building? And then the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are, we are guaranteed, and the Holy Spirit comes, and He takes up residence in the life of the believer. Chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And when, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I love that imagery. Have you ever had something notarized? What does the notary do with that document when they're done with it? They clamp that little seal thing on it, or they stamp that little seal thing on it. It says, this is official. It's really done. You can't undo this now. The Holy Spirit is our seal. A deposit in verse 14. Verse 14 guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So the Holy Spirit now has come and taken up a residence in the life of the believer, that person who has professed faith in Jesus, who has been called out by God and drawn towards God Himself. And once the Holy Spirit takes up residence in the life of a believer, then at least biblically we're supposed to start demonstrating and producing what the Bible calls fruit. Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Do you see what's happening? The Holy Spirit is planted in the life of the believer, not just as a seal guaranteeing our inheritance, but then he begins to work in us and through us in producing these kinds of life Characteristics that demonstrate the reality of the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. And then, of course, we choose to cooperate with God because, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which again Pastor Laura read for us, we have God's to do list. God has works created in advance for us to do. How many of you are to do list people out there? Church land. Yep. Got the little list, marking it off. Uh, some people are only happy if they can mark things off their list. Some people mark updating their to-do list off their to-do list. Did you do your to-do list? Oh, yeah, I did that. Listen, we all have our own little to-do lists. We all have our lists of things we think we need to do to accomplish whatever is coming along in a given day. But you and I we share in God's to-do list that He has given to us He prepared it in advance. That person's going to come to faith in Christ, and God's got this to-do list ready for them. So, when we say saved, or we use the word salvation, that's the process, that's the sequence we're talking about. And, and James says that if that's not what is characterizing us, if we are not acting out on God's to-do list, then he's wondering about the validity of that faith. He says a faith that doesn't have outworking as a characteristic of it is ridiculously inadequate. He says it's so ridiculously inadequate in verse 19 that you can share that faith in common with demons. Because they know there's a God. They know that Jesus came to conquer sin and death, but they do not embrace the necessary fully giving over of themselves to God. So, James has highlighted what is not really, actually, biblically faith, and he's now going to show us what that looks like. He's going to call, in verse 22, he's going to call this genuine faith, real faith. Real faith. Real faith. faith. And James underscores this several times, so I don't want to... Uh, miss this because sometimes people hold up what the Apostle Paul said about faith and what James says about faith and they say well look these boys are arguing. They're not arguing. Three times in the passage that I read to you verses 17, 20, and 26, three times James says it's not that works are added on to faith or that somehow we work our way into the presence of God. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that actual, real life, no kidding, give our lives to Jesus' faith means that, means that from that presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we will say, yes, God, where's the to-do list from you today? That's the one I want to be focused on. I don't know how many of you are card-playing gamblers. You don't have to put your hand up. There's a game, a, a, a kind of a, a derivative of poker that's called Texas Hold'em. Have you heard of that game? I won't ask you how you've heard of that game. Just, have you heard of that game? Yeah. Texas Hold'em. There comes a moment in that particular brand of cards where you have to be all in. All in. You see, biblically, believing... And the acquisition of information always has an action component. I think I've shared this before, but in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, there's a word for the verb to know. That word is yada. In the New Testament, in the Greek of the New Testament, there's a a word for the verb to know. That word is gnosko. Both of those words, when you... Dig into them. Both of those words have an action component to them. In other words, we acquire information, we acquire data so that we can act on it. We don't just acquire data to be some kind of, you know, human Google that people can ask us questions about and we can give them an answer. That's not what biblical knowledge is all about. Biblical knowledge is knowledge that we are called to act upon. And James gives us two examples of that this morning. Abraham, if you ever in Sunday school for more than three and a half seconds, you heard about Father Abraham, right? Abraham, he becomes the patriarch of the Jewish people. And he unabashedly follows God to where God asks him to go. Warren Wiersbe, who was a Christian author, said this years ago about Abraham. He said, Abraham marched off the map and didn't leave a forwarding address. That's how all in he was. And then, of course, and you've got to love these Bible writers because they don't sugarcoat any of this stuff. Then, who's the other example James picks? He picks Rahab the prostitute. By the way, this is, in my view, verse 25, this is more evidence of kind of God's uh, pineapple upside down world. Right? Have you had pineapple upside down cake? Have you made that? Yeah. So, you know that what you put the ingredient. At first, I was very confused by pineapple upside-down cake. I said, how in the world do they put the pineapples on top and they don't sink through the batter when the thing is baking? And then somebody explained to me, hey, dummy, they put the pineapples in first and they put the batter on top of it and then they turn it upside-down to create the pineapple upside-down cake. Duh. But this is what God does all the time. He, he he he. Take the twelve disciples, man. These people were the least likely people to be chosen by anybody to do anything at any time. Look at them in the Gospels. These guys are slow to pick up on the realities of Jesus' teaching. That's the most charitable way to put it. But that wasn't the first time God did this pineapple upside down thing. He picks Rahab the prostitute. And you can go back and look at her story in the book of Joshua chapter 2. What she does is she, she hides the spies from the nation of Israel that are checking out the promised land. And then she tells them to go another way so they won't get captured by the city guards. He, God didn't pick the M- Mother Teresa equivalent of the day to include in this examples of faith. No, he picks Rahab, the prostitute. And so together, this passage, all of this is supposed to be a call to action for us. James wants us to quit acting as if the Christian life is some kind of spectator sport. I'm increasingly of the belief that there probably will not be a professional baseball season this year. It's just becoming too problematic for the team owners and for the the, the players. Canada just said the Toronto Blue Jays can't play any games in Toronto this year. And so, you know, I'm feeling a bit bereft because we won't be able to sit and watch the Red Sox play other teams um, in baseball. I have said probably more times than you care to remember, that I love going to baseball games. But when I go and I sit there and I'm watching the action on the field, it always makes me wistful for those moments when I had the opportunity to play on softball teams myself. Not that I was ever very good, but man, I'd rather be playing and in the action than watching the action anytime. Can you imagine if you were to go up to Kansas City and go to Kauffman Stadium and it was a regular season and you were able to get your tickets and get in and get your seats and sit down there and start scarfing down the popcorn and whatever whatever beverage suits your mood of the moment um, there. Can you imagine, though, if the players come out to the field they pull out little stools and they sit down and they turn their attention to the stands. And they just start watching. People doing nothing except eating popcorn and peanuts and hot dogs. Not really doing anything up there in the stands because all the action's supposed to be on the field. Can you imagine how ridiculous that would be? in a similar way. It's ridiculous. This is what James is trying to get us to see. It's ridiculous for people who have been called by Jesus' name to sit around and watch other people do what God has called them to do. Now, there's a caution here. There's a flashing yellow light. God's work in me may not look exactly like God's work in you, and that's perfectly okay. When I was in the military, we all wore the uniform that looked the same, but they were different, of course, right? Different sizes and different accoutrements or whatever based on people's particular specialties or whatever. There was this basic commonality of service demonstrated by the uniform, but the way it worked itself out was different from person to person to person. Now, we don't do this all the time, but I want to interrupt this message for a commercial. Watch your screen. You see, I came this close to buying a Kia Soul just based on that commercial. <laughs> but I went and looked at it. There's like no trunk room in a Kia Soul, so I didn't buy one. But here's the thing. Right? In that commercial, it's not just that those other things like the toaster and the washing machine and the cardboard box were somehow less cool cars, right? They weren't cars at all. And so the commercial says, you can get with this, which is a really cool car, or you can get with that, which, hey, buddy, is not even really a car at all. And that's what James is saying to us this morning. You can get with this genuine faith that's at work to make a difference in the world, or you can get with that, which is not really even faith at all. So, are you going to get with this, or are you going to get with that? Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for the many, many ways you've blessed us. We pray that as we move into a time of uh, consideration of prayer requests uh, and uh, saying together the Lord's Prayer, that you will cement this truth from James in our hearts and minds, that we need to be carriers and holders of the green ID card, active in our faith and service to God. We pray in Jesus' name.